νομίζω κάνει φοβερή δουλειά στην κοινωνία. Είναι ένα τάξι. 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 Είναι She say you I cry because you are here today. Eto, welcome to another edition of the No Trofters podcast on the OLB. Like, subscribe, tell your nuna. This is the Alpha podcast. The Alpha podcast, the greatest podcast in Cyprus. It's a fact. Everyone's telling us this now. Everyone. Everyone in their nuna. I'm your host, Phil. I've got Roy. What's going on? I'm good, man. I'm I'm fine. I was just rushing for the pod. I want to apologize to our guest, Thad, because... Um, I, 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 complete, I completely forgot that I had to go to my daughter's school today to talk to the teachers and I had to, we had to change the, the pod for an hour and a half. So I want to apologize to you first before Stell introduces you to our viewers. You could have done that before we went live. What are you doing this now for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I should have. It, it makes it more but... personal this way, man. It's, it's yeah, cool. Man. Don't worry. Yeah. I have a daughter. I totally get it. I told my wife, I said, yeah, the pod guy was going to, had to, you know, was told by his wife he had to go to the teacher. She totally understood. She started laughing, so. Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, being patient, Thad. And here we go. Thad Bell from the the um oh the, the, what podcast are you from again what podcast are you from again you know, the, i know it's the blue testament come on i'm joking yeah the, the site is the blue okay. testament <laughs> we call the pod the shades of blue uh we have blue in the name for both sides of it because all the soccer teams locally wore blue when we named it so there you go lovely so let's get this straight you are a podcast you're a website you do everything surrounding Sporting KC from a fan's perspective. Tell us how it all started, how many of you guys are involved, and uh, where you're at now. Okay, well, I'm going I'm to go way back, at least as far, you know, from, from our perspective, right? Kansas City was, uh, MLS started in 1996. Kansas City was one of the original teams called the Kansas City Wiz, then changed their name to Kansas City Wizards. And then in 2011, they rebranded to Sporting Kansas City because the owners didn't like the old name and they wanted a fresh start. Uh, I have been a season ticket holder since day one. Um, I still have season tickets, but right now I'm considered media. So I photograph the games. Uh, I go to the press conferences, all that good stuff. We, a couple of us just love talking about soccer. So we started a really, really terrible podcast like 10 years ago, like recorded on a little voice recorder, then just put online. It was terrible. We keep advancing every year, keep getting a little better, get people actually sometimes know what they're doing. There's uh, three of us regularly host the podcast now with uh, a rotating cast of others coming in. On the website, we have probably a dozen different people that contribute. Some, you know, some very, some a lot, some semi regularly, and some hardly ever. But 
Was that a quick wrap up? That's, that's, that's yeah, that's that's a long and short. Great, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. You know, how how do you what what do you usually talk about on your on your podcast? Do you have like match reviews, previews? Uh, do you have a podcast every time something important happens to the club, or like how how do you approach the pod generally? We uh we try to have at least a one a week, so that can. A lot of it will depend on when we can get together because we used to go. We actually, uh, one of our guys worked in a radio station and we would sneak in the radio station at night and use their uh, studios to <laughs> record the pod. Uh, he no longer works there, so we we were upping our uh, our home game now. So we have a board and all that stuff. We still want to get in person because like doing this stuff is great when you have to, but being in person where you can like reach across and smack somebody is a lot better. <laughs> Well, we have a little bit of a problem when it comes to that because right. I'm in London. These guys are in Cyprus, so it's a it's a it's a four and a half hour plane journey, and I'm not going to go all the way there just to slap them. I might go to the beach first, but then then I'll slap them. Yeah. But there's two of them against one of me. I can't I can't compete. So. Yeah, I would just go to the beach too. So yeah. <laughs> so Thad, are you, do you come from a, a sporting background? Did you play football yourself when when you were younger? Uh a little bit. Uh... I grew up in St. Louis, which is across the state from Kansas City. Huge soccer background there. Uh, if you go all the way back to the 1950 World Cup, where the U.S. actually won a game, uh, beat England. Game 1-0, yeah. Yeah, big deal. Half the team came from St. Louis. So it was uh, half the team came from St. Louis, half the team came from New York. The one really talented guy was from Haiti who snuck in. Um, the, uh, but I grew up with soccer always around because of that. So where I grew up a little bit out in the country where not a lot of uh, opportunities, but uh, had a guy at school that started a team. We, I played for a few years, just didn't have a lot of opportunity. I was kind of really poor and it was just not as available where I was at, even though it was in the region. But uh, I went in the military. I played pickup games in, I don't know, six, seven, eight different countries. Played on a, where the World Cup was going to be played because they were starting to build a stadium. We uh, hosted a game inside of it. Kind of a lot of weird things like that, but always played. When I got out of the military, went back home. All my do- all of my uh, brother's kids were playing, his nieces, my nieces. And I was always helping shuffle them around. It kind of got me re-involved, and that's how it went. Excellent. So you do uh, you do a lot of photography. Is yeah. that on behalf of the club as well as the website? No. Um, I've done a little bit of work for the club every once in a while. They have a team photographer. So mm-hmm. pretty much I do it as a freelancer for our site, for other. Our site is uh, one of a chain of sites, like okay. SB Nation. I've heard called. of them. I've heard about them. They've yeah. got numerous other websites as well within yeah. that umbrella, haven't they? Yeah, they have a site for every MLS team. They have a site for a lot of uh, the bigger European clubs, uh, all the American sports, baseball, football, hockey all that stuff. So they have a site that's individually catered to that. And uh, a few years ago they came to me cause I had a, just a blog and I had a pretty good reputation for being honest and my, you know, not sending out rumors that were bullshit. Uh, so they came to me to, to help build the credibility of it. And I, when I took it over, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I I'll do it, but I'll do it on my own terms. We will cover whatever team I feel like covering as long as I can somehow tie it to Kansas city 
it won't be just the MLS team. So I've covered the women's team, indoor soccer. I don't know if you guys have ever even seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor league teams, college teams, high school teams when I feel like it. So. Excellent. So you're an all-rounder, as they say. You know, I love the game Swiss, no matter Swiss what level is played. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. I could do almost anything at some point. <laughs> Sometimes better than others, but you know. Brilliant. Well, I, I know there's a lot of articles on the website, and I know you guys do the podcast as well. And I've I heard some of it today, especially when you're talking about Marino Johnny's, who we'll, we'll touch on in just a moment. But in terms of your relationship with Sporting Casey, is there a relationship there with you guys? Oh, yeah. They're. Um... All their media relations guys are pretty good people. Uh, I mean, I was actually just texting one of them earlier. I said, hey, you want me to ask a question about Johnny's? See if they had something that they wanted to know. You know, I was like, you know, I'll find out if he speaks any English. And they go, oh, yeah, we, we know he speaks some English. He's not fluent, but he speaks at least some. So, yeah, you know, it's they, it's a pretty good relationship between us and the, the media guys. I mean, they kind of favor the, the newspaper at times, the local newspaper. But I would say we're you know, one of their second favorites. So in terms of trying to remain impartial, because the, the reason why I'm getting to this is because Roy and I have been doing this podcast together for what? Just over a year now, I'd say. Yeah, it's been about uh, a year. Uh, yeah. Was it October, November last October, year? You November off? last year, yeah. yeah I so it's, it's been a little over a year, not even a year and a half. And we... We approach things different to a lot of supporters, Thad. See, you probably get this a lot. In fact, it probably happens in, in the United States. Or you have a, a, a certain set of supporters who aren't happy about anything. Yep. You know, the, the team could win, but there's a complaint about something. The team could sign a good player, and there's a complaint about something. There's, there's always a And in Cyprus, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. It's, it's part of the culture. And it's not it doesn't, it doesn't happen with Omonia. It happens with all the other teams as well. But we approach things different. We try to be as positive as we possibly can. But at the same time... We don't like sitting on the fence and we try to be as impartial as possible. Now, we've said a few things that perhaps have gone against the grain that may have upset a few people, especially some people at the club, some players especially. But we actually have a good relationship with a lot of the players anyway. So when we are critical, we never get personal anyway, because that's not that's not our thing. We're in our 30s. Right. We're grown ass men. Do you know what I mean? So we don't need to get personal with the players. But when it comes to being... Um, constructive with our criticism, we believe that we do that well. Now, with you guys, have you ever had uh, an I would say an altercation, but a little bit of an incident with the club, or they've had to pull you to one side and say, "Right, guys, we don't like what you've said." Or, and if if so, has that changed anything for you? I will say yes. Um, for the most part, it's been pretty good, but uh, I kind of took over another website a couple years ago. We merged, if you want to say, like. And I basically brought in all their writers. One of them was, um, I'm going to give you a couple different examples here, but one of them was very much a uh, super fan. They, they went to the, uh, the away games and they tried to get in the same hotel the players stayed at. They tried to be at the, bo- the, the bus when they were headed to the game, you know, uh, and they were just a, a super fan. They were more stalker than they, they, they never wrote. They hardly ever wrote anything. And what like they did was terrible. Like Stan. Oh man. It's, um, <laughs> so eventually I just said, bye, you know, you're gone. We've had people on our site write very critical articles and yeah, it doesn't make the media guys happy. And they've like, Hey, you guys are being too critical. And I'm like, 
this is this person's opinion, right? I might have a different opinion. We we have a 10, 12 people, whatever, writing on the site at different times. We have different opinions, right? In general, I try to keep us positive but honest. So if they had a bad game, they had a bad game. If a player is not playing well, they don't play well. We want them to win. We want them to be successful. Um, I mean, we're all fans of the team. That's why we're here. Uh, we're not paid a whole lot to do this, right? Some of some of us get a little money from SB Nation. Some don't. Some of us get some money from the podcast. Some don't. Uh, but it's not a lot in any case. So we do this because we want to grow the game because we're passionate about the game. So yes, to answer your question, sometimes they've said, hey, you guys are being too critical. But it's usually more about one person, one article, that sort of thing. What is the what is the 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 mentality of the fans in general? Because obviously you are more invested and you 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 like the game. It's correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, football is not the most uh, popular uh, sport in the states. No. Uh, there's American football. There's baseball. There's basketball, NBA. So I was curious to see how. Uh, what is the, the the general mentality or if it changes uh, according to the teams or the states or if they just consider football as like um, l- less of, of, of a sport? Uh, I don't know if, if that's the, the the right way to put it because in Cyprus it can become very toxic. It's for, for some people football is more than their life more, more than their families. Their teams are they they you know, uh, so I, w- I was wondering generally how how are people in in the? Do you have like a warm atmosphere? Do you have uh, in the stands? Do you have the ultras? Do you have like, you know, people singing through the games? Do you have like uh, hooligans in the in the stands or stuff like that? I would say we're very similar all over the world, uh, but yes, the other sports are more popular. They're more entrenched than than football soccer is uh, but it's it's growing and it's getting there and we're gonna knock some of those off hopefully in my lifetime but going into like the the atmosphere of like approaches a couple different ways so I apologize but yes there will always be fans that think the team is always wrong terrible no matter you know they can win 95 percent of their games uh, they can finish the top of the conference and they suck because they didn't win the final game right you know, it's there's a always a hashtag fire Vermees. Vermees is the the head coach, the technical director, everything. Um, you know, there's always a hashtag. If they go on a three game losing streak, it's firing, right? And but then they turn around and go on a seven game winning streak, or you know, or eight game undefeated streak. It's it's incredibly short sighted. Some of these people, but they just have that hate. In the the fan base in the the stadium, for example, though. There's actually kind of two supporter groups sections. Uh, if you go to one end, it's the the cauldron they call it. It goes back to the old Wizards days. Wizards have that cauldron brewing magic kind of thing, right? That tie back to then, which is made up of little supporters groups. So there's different ones that are inside of that group, and there's one specific group in there that think of themselves as ultras. They're mostly just want to be at this point. They're not too violent. They're, you know, 
they're a little crazy, but it's not too bad. Uh, you go to the other end of the stadium. It's called the South Stand. They also, it's more of a fan-friendly supporters group. So they're not going to have profanity, not as much drunken, stupid stuff. Uh, but even in the Calder, man, I've I've been okay with my daughter when she was 12 being in there. You know, so I wasn't too worried about it. Uh, it's it's never been like bat really bad in there. You know, throwing beers in once in a while when there's a goal, that kind of stupid stuff. But they will sing, they will chant throughout the the entire game or majority of the game. They have their off days too. So, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I was just wondering because for me, it's uh, the first time I have the opportunity. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I know much about the MLS, and uh, now is a good opportunity to, you know, have a better picture, a more clear picture in my mind about, you know, uh, how, how the game is is there, how the how the fans approach it mostly, and uh, how warm they are. Because some in Europe, especially, you can get some really um fanatic um yeah. fans in, in in the stands yeah for for the most part our supporters group will host a tailgate a party before the game and they will invite the other team's fans to that tailgate there's a couple teams where because of their supporters have been jerks or assholes in the past they don't do that for the most part but there's a lot of teams like if you if you was uh, if you rooted for New York City, for example, and you came to a game here, and you walked up to the tailgate, yeah, there might be a couple people give you a side eye or go, you know, you know, give you a little hand signal. But for the most part, you walk up, they'll invite you in, give you a beer, and talk about, you know, why you guys think you're good. So, I I, I could tell you this: that would never happen in Cyprus, <laughs> <laughs> never. Absolutely never. Was it last season, Roy, when when Ireland Apollon fans were fighting in the streets, and one of them, they didn't they trap ones. Trap, wasn't it Apollon trapped the Isle fans in their supporters' hut, and they threw yeah. a, a Molotov, bomb or Molotov bomb in there. You know, yeah. they just it, yeah, it's a different yeah yeah. yeah. And the <laughs> thing is, in, in Cyprus, most people are are related in some shape or form. They might be like sec, distant cousins or yeah. distant relative uh, second cousins or distant relatives and uh, you know you go to work and and your neighbor is is there you know but he's a person on the team but it's it's, it's really crazy you know and it, it, it's uh, also not just with the cities it's political as well at times it's um yeah so yeah in cyprus it's not very even even though the last few years it's become a little bit better because there's a like a fan card now that you have to present before you enter the stadium and almost all the ultras and the fanatics from all the clubs said no to that card because they 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 don't want they want to hide their identities that's why yeah right before you just buy a ticket at the gate you know there was no security you just you just buy a ticket so you don't know who's going into the stadium but now there's a fan card with your name your address your Passport number, everything, yeah. and and they can say no to you and keep you out. Yeah, that's. I, I look for the most part. I hate being like having to show an ID to do stuff, but in that kind of stuff, I wouldn't be able to go to the game. And you want to be able to hate the other team for ninety minutes, and after that ninety minutes, you want to be able to say, "Hey, we beat you," or you know, 
we'll get you next time. At least that's my point of view, man. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to get to that level. The, the thing is, I think because in the United States, you've got a lot of clubs that are new, so they don't have many, many years of history. Like Omonia, we're like, what, 70 odd years old, 72 years old, Roy, 1948 will form? 48, 48. 74 years. And our rivals, well, there's, there's a lot of history between us and them. And it isn't just football, it's politics. There's, there's a lot involved. So yeah. it's very difficult to to have that kind of how can I put it relationship. Whereas you guys, you you might play NYCFC and you'll be like, okay, well, you've had a few years of history, but there isn't any real rivalry there. There's nothing malicious. It's like when I'm wanting to play up well, something's always going to happen. Something's whether it be on the field, off the field. It's it's just and it's not just with these two teams. There's other teams as well in Cyprus and. Um, as Roy said, it's a small island. There's a there's a million people on the island, and everyone is related to each other or friends with each other in some way, shape, or form. You're still gonna see people fighting. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It does happen to a certain extent, but even in the other sports, which have been around for a hundred years, baseball, NFL, that sort of thing, uh, there's always been like a team, uh, a fan base that would be the ones who were always the problem mm -hmm. uh, Oakland Raiders in the NFL, their uh, fan base was horrendous. Uh, certain teams would throw batteries at, uh, you know, Santa Claus on the field, you know, during a kickoff. I mean, like, yeah, it's terrible, but for the most part, it's not like that most of the time. Right. So it's, you know, I've gotten harassed going to games, away games, you know, wearing stuff, but it's never, it's usually not violent. It is because some people in the soccer world see that in the rest of the world and they, they try to emulate that now, but it's still, it's not that bad. Like, so there's a couple clubs that the uh, supporters group won't want to hang out with their fans, but for the most part, it's most of them they're okay with. Roy, do you want to tell Thad about what happened to Grigori earlier on and the club had to put a hundred thousand euro um, reward out? Yeah. Okay, Cyprus is also okay. I I don't I don't think that we're you know really advertising. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just I just want that to realize that you know this this is a, a strange world that we live in and a strange. Yeah, he he said batteries. You know, throw batteries. I remember games where they used to throw potatoes with razor blades. So uh, that's a bit of a difference, but uh, yeah, but. There's a lot of bombs in Cyprus related to football, whether mostly related to referees, but also uh, members of uh, the boards of teams as well. Uh, recently, uh, one of the the vice president actually of Omonia uh, had a bomb put outside his house uh, and uh, apparently was football related. And uh, it happens very, very often. It's... Uh, yeah, very regular thing that happens every now and again. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it might have been like more than 12 uh, occasions where a bombing happened either in a car or... or of a referee. Yeah. Of a referee. There's brown envelopes and uh, it's really it's really dirty. I mean, we had uh, the, the president of the Football Association was... Um, in, in in the in, in the board of of our rival team there were the president chairman of of clubs being uh, partners with referees and have other businesses together you know so 
there's a lot of um, superstition, but it's they give they, they don't help themselves, you know, they don't do yeah. themselves any favors. And sometimes that just do it straight to your face and they don't care. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, it, it shouldn't be to that level. I understand the passion behind it, but yeah, yeah, I I'm I'm also for you know pyro is not a crime and I, and I like the choreos and the and the banter between the fans and yeah. I like it as well. But you know, uh, I, I'd never go that far to you know hurting someone or attacking someone. You know. Uh, or a game of football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and, you know, I think every place has had, you know, questionable refs and we've, we've had a couple of, you know, accepted gifts from a player or something like that, like an autographed Jersey or something. And of course that made them immediately suspect for the next decade. Right. Or longer. Um, <laughs> but, but I was mean, it, that's was been... it a David Beckham Jersey by any chance. <laughs> uh, no, well, actually uh, now, when you get away from MLS and, you know, uh, some of the, the lower divisions try to be a little bit more, a little more uh, ultra at times. Mm-hmm. But when you go to international play between U.S. and Mexico, uh, you know, or uh, even some of the other countries within CONCACAF, that can be uh, like when U.S. travels down there, man, they're, it gets pretty nasty. Yeah, when they play the Mexican sides. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I mean. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a there's a few players that I would never ever root for if they came to MLS or to our team because they played for uh, they did certain things with Mexico. Not any Mexican player. We have a Mexican national team player on Kansas City right now. He's out for the year, but it's uh, good. Player. He's, one of, he's one of yours. He's one of yours. There you go. Okay, well let's talk about Sporting Kansas City then. As everyone's aware, our boy Johnny's academy academy graduate has um has joined the MLS side. So, Thad, what can you tell us about the club that uh, our previous guest didn't tell us? I'm sure you saw Tom on, on the show. Yeah, I watched part of that. and uh, Tom's a great info on MLS, and those guys have a really wide knowledge of MLS. But kind of like one of the phrases I, I tend to use is, those guys are, you know, 28 feet wide, but two or three inches deep. We're one foot wide, but 10 feet deep, that sort right. of thing, right? We are right. we dive into this one club, and you can ask me about other clubs, and I'll know them one inch deep, right? So um, think about Kansas City. Uh, let's just – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up a little bit. When, when they were bought by a new ownership group, they brought in a new technical director and a new coach, and they were – they got busy getting ready to build a stadium and just transforming everything. And that ended up with the name change, but the technical director was Peter Vermees and he was a former player when Kansas city won the cup back in 2000. Uh, He was a former national team player and he ended up living, staying here in Kansas city and like working with a youth club uh, and starting futsal uh, organizations and stuff like that. Right. So anyway, when they came in, they made him the technical director. The coach they brought in was an up-and-coming coach who ended up terribly sucking for the most part, and now he's not coaching. Uh, inspirational story, but not a great coach. But anyway, Vermees ended up being forced to take it over for the, the remainder of that season. Uh, he did all right. They gave it to him for the next season, and he has been there since then. And 
you could say everything in this club has his fingerprint on it. It's his DNA. And the super hardworking, super detailed guy that made him a great national team player, uh, made him a great MLS player, also leads him to be a very good uh, technical director, sporting director, general manager, whatever term you want to use, but also the manager, right? So he's out there every day. He knows everything involved in his club from the top to the bottom. Um, I mean, it was to the point where he is so detailed. I mean, this is like a, a little bit of a, a fairy. Not a, uh, it's a, it's a true story, but it sounds a little bit weird, but he like threw a piece of trash next to a trash can one time to see how long it would take somebody to pick it up and put it in the trash can. Cause he wanted to just make sure everybody was taking care of every single, every little detail, every roll okay. of the ball. One of his phrases used to be like every roll of the ball, you play every single roll of the ball. Everything is done like that. So, and the reason I go back to that is that is the mentality that is put across this club. It's team first. It's about the team. It's not about you. It's not about the, the name on the back. It's about the crest, right? It's, uh, they have uh, four core values. I, I, I'd be lying if I was going to repeat them right now all, but one of them is team first. So it's that mentality that goes from top to bottom. They will play some version of a 4-3-3 pretty much 99.9% of the time. If they don't, it's because too many injuries someplace for something really weird. But he'll move guys around a lot of times. He played in in the the Netherlands when he was a player, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, his father was Hungarian Hungarian yeah uh left during some of the issues with the communists there uh, he's played in Hungary he's played in Netherlands he's gotten a lot of his uh coaching philosophy from some of that you know total football kind of thing but the newer version I guess you want to call mm-hmm. it he's he will typically play uh a team that's high pressing again they can't high press Every single game with the weather that we have, people will die. But uh, it will typically he uh, yeah. he wants the team like he wants the team to know like you you play the uh, mid block right now. But when one person high presses, everybody goes. He wants everybody to be in that total sync. There's no like two guys go and the rest don't. You know, it's it's all or nothing. Right. What else do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how do you think our boy will, will fit in? Because as you're probably aware by now, he's the only Cypriot player to have gone to play in MLS. Yep. And uh, it's, a, it's a big deal for us. And as I've said on numerous occasions, it opens so many uh, windows or doors for us because not only does it add the spotlight onto Cypriot footballers, and I'm sure Roy will, will attest to this, you know, it's, it's a big deal for us. It's a huge deal for us. We have numerous players breaking through our academy, not just Johnny's, got Loizzo, Asimenos, Hambo, etc., etc. And Johnny's moving to MLS, especially Kansas. It gives other players hope, not just on Monia, but also um, for other clubs as well. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that's, it's, it's, if you watch anything in the, the football world, it's like, things go in cycles, right? So I would not, not be surprised if he has even remote success that you see five or 10 guys get taken out of there in the next two years. You know what I mean? It would, it would not surprise me at all. Um, I mean, he has to have at least that little bit of success though, or at least, you know, give the hint of it. And I I think he will. Um, I've only seen 
highlights. I actually have a, a game pulled up over here that I'm going to watch later, but haven't got a chance to. Uh, and, but from what I've seen of the highlights, from what I've, what I've talked to you, you know, he's quick, he's, you know, hardworking play, you know, we'll get back on defense, which, you know, that's, that's a Vermese thing, obviously. Uh, nobody gets to just chill out up top. Oh, no, he, he doesn't know the meaning of stopping this boy. <laughs> he's <laughs> up and down like a yo-yo, you know? Yeah. He's, he, he's explosive. He's very explosive. He's fast. He's uh, he's built his upper body. Uh, he started playing first team football about four years ago. So he was just over 16 and a half when he got his opportunity uh, with a, a, a Greek uh, manager that we had on, on the pod, Yannis uh, Anastasiou. He was the first to believe in him actually we it was also Jesper Fredberg the um, Danish um, technical director yeah technical director that we had for our academy uh, we had him also on the show <laughs> we're name dropping now <laughs> but um, yeah they, they spoke about Marinos uh, to some extent and uh, they they believed that uh, they're capable of of uh, moving to a better league and uh, Marinos, especially Marinos Jonis, uh, he had his uh, first team football with Yannis Anastasiou. And then the next year, with, which was the first with uh, Mr. Berg on, on the bench, he, he suffered an injury that kept him out. And in that period, he, he also, when he recovered, he was working on his upper body strength, the understanding of the game. Uh, uh, tactically, uh, Berg expected because his first year, Berg didn't make a lot of changes in the team because he wanted them to adapt to the style of play he, he wanted. So he had like a, a smaller roster of players, like 14, maybe 15 players top. So Marinos didn't have so many opportunities in, in, in his first season with Berg, but that made him work even harder. He remained humble. And then last year, when he did have his opportunity, he was one of the most important players. Uh, clutch player. Clutch, clutch yeah, player. clutch. Like they say in the States, like um, people say that two of his goals were probably the most important to lead us to the title, even though, okay. I can IL, yeah. Yeah, I can IL. Uh, but it wasn't just that. I think he, he finished the season with, was it seven goals at Estelle? Seven and goals, yeah. He scored against Carmi Odessao away. It was. And maybe I four, two against Buffalo. Yeah. yeah so, and, and he had like four or five assists. And um, the, there were games in Europe as well when against opponents which, uh, with a lot more quality and experience, he, he showed that he, you know, he can stand up against his players. Fearless. Yeah, he's fearless. He, he, he's not going to be like... Uh, he he's humble but 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 fearless at the same time. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. It's like a footballer when they go when they cross that white line. It's like a flick of switch, yeah. and they go into beast mode. And that's that's what he does. And, and to be honest, I don't I don't expect too much from him immediately. I don't expect him to hit the ground running. But if he does, it wouldn't surprise me because he's that good. He really is. We uh, Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, sorry. Oh no, yeah, no problem. Um, Kansas City brought in a player a uh, year and a half ago, two years ago, Gadi Kenda from Israel. And honestly, you know, Israel has an okay league, but we weren't really expecting like this guy to come in and 
and be fantastic. And he's been a really good player for Kansas City. Um, so I'm kind of looking at this as the same for Johnny's that, you know, maybe he's coming from a, a league that we don't expect to have, uh, you know, that that high end player and he comes in and, and maybe he hits the ground running. It might take him a little while. It typically takes people a while to transition to MLS. Uh, I should say typically it's, it's not uncommon for people to have a little transition time. Some guys hit the ground running. Some don't. Uh, MLS tends to be a, a little bit more physical league than others. And, you know, guys, a lot of guys are, you know, amazing shape. And, you know, so you have to be in that shape to do it. The thing with Vermees is I don't you might see him a little spot here or there, but he won't play a guy until he thinks he's ready. And the, the only exception would be that, you know, like three guys on the front line go down. He plays. <laughs> you have no choice. Uh, a player came in last year, Jose Maori, who um, he should not have been playing yet. Right. But we had a, a bunch of injuries and he basically started the first game he showed up and he had to play like the next three or four games. But then once players came back from injury, he had some time to now catch up, get more fit, understand the league a little bit better before he started getting some time again. So I, it could be much like that for, for Johnny's. I think what puts Johnny's in a good situation, and this goes back to what you were saying about not knowing the league. Uh, at Tomonia, he's played alongside some players who have represented their national team. Like, for example, Thomas Mixed discos, yeah. Uh, Thomas Huberchan and, and Mikhail Duris, who both play for Slovakia, they, they represented them at Euro 2021 or 2022, ever what you want to call it, because yeah. it was whichever year it was meant yeah. to be 2021. Sorry, actually, no, it was meant to be Euro 2020, but it was 2021. So, yeah, so they, they play for their national team. We got Adam Lang, central defender, Hungarian international. Um, I mean, Matt Derbyshire, who I'm sure you may have heard of, scored many goals for Blackburn Rovers in the Premier League. Henningberg, his head coach, who played for Manchester United, won the treble under Sir Alex Ferguson. So he's had the right nucleus or core group. Oh, even Jordi Gomez, who broke through Barcelona's academy, ended up at Wigan and won the FA Cup there and has played yeah. in the Premier League for Sunderland, etc. So again, he's played alongside players who've played at the highest level or coached at the highest level. So I guess he knows what's expected of him. And I think that's put him in good stead alongside the other Omonia youngsters because... As I said on the last podcast with Tom, we thought it was Loizzo, who's a younger player, was going to be the first one to leave because he was touted to join a Belgian club in the summer. But for Johnny's to leave before him has come as a little bit of a surprise for us, Thad, to be honest. I don't know what you reckon, uh, Roy. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I always thought that because of the introduction I made earlier about Johnny's and how he started playing for the first team, uh, four years ago, uh, jo Jonis was a bit different, but I, I think as a player, Jonis is uh, a more complete player uh, than, than Loizos. Like Loizos, maybe has a is more talented, more 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 gifted. He's got a God's gift with his when it comes to his skill and his talent. He's a bit more flashy, but Jonis worked for it and the fact that when he started playing football Omonia wasn't doing that well he didn't have all the lights on him you know whereas Loizos when when he turned up we won the league and uh, all the bright lights and the fireworks were, were on him and uh, I think that 
I think this year for Loizos is a year where it's going to help him grow more as a player, even though people are thinking that he's not having the best season this far. It's it's a learning experience. I think Marinos has reached to a point... When I say Marinos, I mean Jonis Tad, because yeah. we yeah. call him with his full name. Um, so I, I think Marinos is uh, a more complete player, even though at the beginning of this season he also suffered from... from COVID and uh, he missed the the preseason and he the season was he started on very slowly he wasn't playing a lot of games and it was I'd say after just mid mid December maybe early December up until now he was back in his top form he started playing really well he, he you could see he was more confident uh, he's because his psychology also dropped a little bit at the beginning but. All in all, because your question was still, I I think that Marinos uh, is more ready for the move. But the thing is, I I don't know the level of of the MLS, so I cannot I can just speak generally about the time that he might need to adapt to the game, the physicality, um, and all of that. Because we also, as a pod, whenever we want to. For example, if someone's being critical of a, of a foreign player coming to to Cyprus, we always say it's the language barrier. It's it can be the religion, the traditions, the yeah. the weather, whether you got your family there, uh, you restaurants, know, food, entertainment, yeah, everything. It's you know. So um, I know that Marinos comes from 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 again a humble family. Uh, He's going to need the help, obviously, for being a separate boy going to the States, which is, you know, a very big difference. So, but if he, if he has people taking care of him and he doesn't feel homesick, you know, and he concentrates on his football, he's a, he's a good student. He can soak up a lot of things and, and, and he's going to come there and he's going to work his ass off. And that's for sure. That's what I think. Yeah, Dad, I think I think Ali Tross has received a lot of messages from Ammonia fans saying take take care of the kid. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Ali is a great person too. She uh, is now the sideline reporter for Kansas, supporting Kansas City, and also play by play for the women's team, the NWSL team that's here. But she actually, when she moved to Kansas City, she started writing for our site. So we we have a, a pathway to the pros there also you go see see um, <laughs> that that other player you were talking about what was his age the um, Loisos, yeah. yeah he's two years younger than he's 18 now but okay. when he started he was also the first season he was like 16 last year 17 yeah. so he's 18 now okay. this year but he's he was close to a move to belgium and we didn't agree on the on the fee and so we kept him here um, I've got. I'm. I'm reading some of the comments on on the Facebook and, and on, on. Sorry, on on the live chat and the live chat. I bring yeah, one up. Yeah. Let's go here. How many Kansas City players get transferred to European leagues? Uh some. <laughs> we we <laughs> actually. Uh, Vicenza, didn't they? Was it Venezia? Was it Venezia? Venezia. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't say that right. But Gianluca Busio, who came through the Sporting Academy, uh, went there for. Uh, I think it was, I, I don't want to lie, but it was like six and a half mil, but with uh, incentives, it goes to like 10, 10 and a half, and then uh, 20% sell-on fee. 
And what's funny is in MLS, like we were touting him because I've watched him since he was actually the day he came to Kansas City to check out the academy. He's not from Kansas City. Uh, he's from the uh, East Coast. I actually met him. And then, um, you know, when he was like looking there and they he liked it and they made the move over and stayed with the host family and all this type of stuff. So I played for the Academy and I kept hearing about how good he was and I'd watch him. He's like a, he, he's a guy who like every, every step of the way, the, the better the team was, the better he played. So like uh, when he was with MLS, he wasn't always getting a ton of respect. Like, Oh, he's not strong enough. He doesn't play enough defense. Sporting moved him to the sixth spot and he's a defensive midfielder. And all of a sudden they're playing better he could play the six spot. He could play the eight. He can play a 10. He can play a wing and all that type of stuff, but he wasn't getting all this respect. And all of a sudden people are like, wow, he's really taken off now that he's moved to Syria. No, he was this good here. You just weren't noticing him because we're not the big East coast, West coast clubs. Right. Yeah. And it, there's that, that element of um, snobbery, isn't it? From other oh, yeah. leagues, you know, Serie A and Bundesliga. And they look at, in fact, I wouldn't say Bundesliga because they've been taking a lot of, um, Almost a calculated risks, you know. They, uh, Pepe has signed, hasn't yeah. he? From um, to Augsburg, from Houston, was it Houston? Yeah, we. I, I was actually. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred Busio to go to Bundesliga just because of the style of play yeah. and the history of developing Americans. But uh, at Venezia, they uh, the owner is an American, actually an American, and he brought that's over right. two young Americans. And there's talks of a couple others that might go. I mean, it, that's like that's the popular spot now. Like, oh, somebody might go to Syria. Oh, it'll be Venezia because it's. <laughs> it's the place, yeah. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> here we go. Another question: What's the budget of Sporting Kansas? I assume it's the the wages. The- yeah, and so for people who don't know, MLS, like a lot of American leagues, has a salary cap. But sit, calling it a salary cap is not actually the right thing because there's a a salary budget. But every all the teams start from a base level. They have up to. I, I forget the exact amount now, but it's it's like five or six million. Um, and then this is so convoluted, man. I'm almost embarrassed to talk about this. <laughs> but because they wanted to compete better, they started saying, "Okay, you have this budget, but then we're going to give you another two and a half million to spend, but you can only do it in certain ways." Oh, and then we're going to give you another two million, in the, but you can only spend it in certain ways, right? And then. You can have three players um, called designated players. We call it the Beckham rule because when David Beckham came to MLS, they broke the rules and changed them. And then they said, and when LA wasn't doing good enough with just Beckham, they said, oh, you need a second one. Oh, well, you need a third one. So they kept changing it. So there was the designated player rule uh, where a club can spend a lot more on a player, but they only hit the salary budget for 600000 650,000, 700,000, whatever it is now. Uh, So you can have like three of those. What, and what this is weird with, with Johnny's, he might fit under what they call a U22 initiative player. And they, they haven't determined this yet because they're going to like get to right before the season and go, okay, how are we paying for all this? Uh, But with the U22 initiative guys, you could spend more on a transfer fee. Cause like for a designated player, for other players, if you spend a, $2 $2 million on a transfer fee and their salary is 500,000 at some point, 200, 2 million, two and a half million hit your budget, right? It just depends on how you divvy it up. 
you can use allocation money, the extra money they give you to buy salaries down so they fit into your cap. Is it, it is convoluted. I mean, I'm not going to claim that MLS coaches are the best in the world, but the technical directors who manage this budget stuff have the hardest job in the world because they're not competing against like in NFL or baseball or something like that. They're not competing against just their other 30 teams. They're competing against the world for players, but then they have the most convoluted rules for doing so. But on the good side of it is it keeps uh, teams from like one owner spending a billion dollars on players and just running away with the league. So it keeps it more even. And it's even more difficult when, granted, the USA is a massive, massive country. But the thing is, there are so many soccer clubs out there. It's not just MLS. You've got USL, USL 1, USL 2. Then you've got NISA. You've got all these different leagues and different clubs. And it's it's just, when you look into it, it's, it's like quantum physics. I, I don't get it. It is, it is convoluted. Like uh, it, it was kind of funny because last week, the United Soccer Coaches Convention. United Soccer Coaches have a convention every year, and they used to have the MLS draft, right? So drafting college players, just like the other American leagues, uh, which hopefully goes away soon because it's it's a diminishing return. <laughs> but they used to have a big event at the, this convention every year, and now it's, oh, we do it over a conference call or a Zoom chat, right? Saves money, saves money. Well, it's also less interest, but you still get like four to 10 good players out of college, right? I mean, guys who are showing up later in years, Daryl Decay, for example, a bunch of others. Anyway, but that big convention, man, it's, it's huge. It's like the largest soccer coaches convention in the world. And I'm like, America has got the most soccer coaches of anywhere. It's amazing. Um, but it was just, you know, thousands of people there. And it's during a pandemic and people weren't wanting to travel. And we still had, I think, 10,000 soccer coaches there from around the country and the world. I mean, there's. Yes, but back to what you're saying, all these leagues, all these different things, they're not all related. There's not promotion relegation. They're not even in the same pyramid or chain or line. And it is uh, it is crazy because I was talking to guys who were coaching like my daughter's one of my daughter's coaches coaching her when she was 13 is now coaching a professional team that is fifth division women's league fourth division women's league (laughs) something like that i'm like there's people don't even know they exist yeah it's difficult to stay stay on top of it but listen the the female the women's game is is huge out there especially with the success of the, the United States women's team. And, you know, we won't go into the, uh, the salary issue and, yeah. you know, because that, that's another conversation for another show. But we've got some questions here from the from the viewers. Um, where is it? Come here, you. How many fans go to the home games? What's the usual attendance? Uh, Pre or post-COVID, I guess. <laughs> well, sold out attendance is 18,500. And it they went on something like a 100-game sellout streak. That's brilliant. Um, and then you know had a had a run of a little run of bad form and uh, like a lot of other events going on you know other big teams in the area playing in other sports I think that was when they when they finally dropped under and then of course pandemic uh, but last year we went back to having sellouts even with pandemic so lovely there's a question here which was the highest paid gel in Kansas what, what is it that's all gel and how much we mean player. 
maybe it's a typo. The highest paid player at the club, I'm guessing. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> it's actually the player that's out for a year. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> Alan, uh, Alan Polito, uh, Mexican national team player. He uh, He's a borderline Mexican national team player, but he was, he was tearing it up in Mexico for a couple years, and he's one of those designated player spots that I was talking about earlier where he's – uh, they went out and spent like nine and a half million on him and salary to bring him in. Excellent. Uh, there's one here. We're, we're asking the questions because we will start watching and supporting Kansas. See, right. So I, I need to buy a Jersey. I need to buy a Jersey yeah. straight up. Yeah. The, uh, actually uh, one of the PR guys I was talking to earlier today said, I wonder how many uh, followers from Cyprus we're going to get. I said, I, I've heard it's going to be a lot. So yeah, you probably get a few thousand. You probably get a few thousand. Don't forget, we're the most hated team in Cyprus as well, aren't we, Roy? <laughs> was, uh, we're the most loved, but the most hated. <laughs> it was like 12 years ago, they signed a player from India, uh, Sunil Chetri. He had, he was like the Indian national team greatest player ever, right? Like tons of goals, like messy level of goals for the Indian national team. And he actually was very, very talented, but he was, I watched him at practice and he got in a couple games. We had a friendly with Manchester United. Uh, back in 2010 and I think he got on the the field for a few minutes and you know that was like all of India erupted and by the way we beat Manchester United uh, while we were a man down look at that look at that (laughs) but do you think do you think there's a chance that there might be a friendly between Omoni and Sporting KC sometime because sometimes you do see yeah these these transfers that happen one club faces the other one in a friendly game and you know what happened? I would love it. Um, the uh, one problem with MLS the last few years is it got so congested because of, uh, especially for Kansas City, who the more success you have, the more congested your your fixtures are, right? Uh, so the Open Cup, U.S. Open Cup, that's the. I'm, I'm not sure if you have an equivalent there, but uh, I, I know in England you do. It's essentially every club from amateur through pro enters into it at some level. Oh, you mean like oh. the FA Cup where everyone yeah. just plays? Yeah. yeah. No, we, we don't have that. Inside. Mind you, is it, what about the Gibbel or the Coca-Cola Cup? When Does everyone compete in it? Because I've, I've seen second division it's teams play. First and second division teams. Yeah, so there's no – yeah, so it's just first and second. Sorry, that's had. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. But between that, uh, CONCACAF Champions League, now they're having Nations League um, or um, – I forget what they're You've called. Got the it, league's but... cup, don't you? Is it the yeah, league's, league's cup? cup. Yeah, yeah. The so, Mexican sides, yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, that's actually not as I think I, I think I saw you talking about it at one point, maybe. But there's Concacaf Champions League, and that would be, in theory, the top four teams out of MLS. But it's again convoluted. Um, MLS Cup winner, the typically the runner-up, the conference winner, the one with the best record. You know, so the supporter shield. Uh, a Canadian team that basically beat nobody to get there, Mexican teams, Honduras team, Honduran teams, etc. But then you have the the League's Cup, which is like the next four American teams and the next four Mexican teams. So that's a little better, more interesting competition there because the best Mexican team is almost always going to be better, is has always been, probably will be for a little while longer, better than the best MLS team just because of the money. Brilliant, brilliant. We've just seen this comment here. Uh, big up, I'm a Kairat fan. They're from Kazakhstan. 
I remember watching your video with Paul Ainsworth. He said that Kara Vasil Mone will be in a study. Got the information wrong. I enjoy your content. I'm glad I subscribed. Kazakhstan. Look at this man. Steve, is that his name? Steve. Steve, you need to send me your address. I'll send you a, a, a note of this shirt, man. I need to send him one. I need to send him one. You'll be the yeah. only person in Kazakhstan wearing it, but he'll deserve it. He will yeah, deserve yeah. it. Yeah. That's it, man. Question here, Thad. Tony Taylor is an American that played for Amonia in the past. There were big expectations, but unfortunately, he didn't deliver. What are your thoughts on this player and how he compares to Johnny's? I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I do not know him by that name, so I apologize. Uh, <laughs> well, I, will, I, will, I will look him up and figure out who you're talking about, and then I'll make that comparison, man. I'll, I'll get back to you about that. You can you can relay my answer at a future pod. Fantastic. Fantastic. Donero's on fire. We go, what can we expect in MLS for sporting Kansas? I mean for the finishing place. I think he means I think he means the playoffs because you guys finished fourth in your division, didn't you, if I'm not mistaken? Uh yeah, third or fourth, yeah. But we were like first right up to the last weekend. Uh, you know, wow. it was craziness. Wow. Um you know that and that's always that thing about playoffs versus uh, regulation battles. And I, and I get that people love promotion regulation. I, I, I follow that for other leagues, but the one thing about playoffs is you have people, you have teams fighting to get into the playoffs. So you have like the bottom of the playoffs might be, you know, five teams trying to get into three spots. Right. And you have like four teams trying to finish at the top of the playoffs. So, so they have a home home field advantage until the, all with that sort of thing. So it's, it is craziness. There's more competition that way sometimes than there is in a promotion, promotion regulation battle. You might only have two teams worried about whether they're not going to be uh, relegated because the other two are already out. Uh, and so anyway, it's, I, that's a difficult question because we lost Alan Pulido, but he didn't play a lot last year. Anyway, he's their, our big money Mexican guy. Uh, they Alan need another. Played for Olympiacos Pireos. Alan, the Mexican, yeah, Alan Pulido, Olympiago Pireos signed him as a big talent, and then he went to to the states. He left. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, because when he played in Mexico, he was just he was tearing it up for a while. Um, without him, yeah. but he didn't play a lot last year anyway. So we still need another uh, nine center, center forward striker guy. The guy that played there a, a lot last year, last couple years, uh, Kyrie Shelton. He doesn't score much, uh, but he's one of those guys who works everywhere. In 2018, uh, Daniel Shallowy, uh, a Hungarian-American homegrown left wing, Kyrie Shelton in the center, Johnny Russell on the right, Scottish player, um, they led the league in scoring. The, the, you know, the team led the league in scoring with those guys in front. So that's the same guys we had last year without Polito the same guys we'll have going into this year with the addition of Johnny's uh, and another homegrown guy, but they need another nine striker guy to have, you know, rest people and have a different look. So we're still looking. Who do you think uh, is going to be Johnny's competition? I mean, you mentioned something about the Hungarian American uh, left winger. So, uh, does the manager give uh, opportunities to a lot of players, obviously, because of the of the games, a lot of games that you have to play? Or is he a manager that, that prefers to stick to who he knows better and he doesn't give opportunities to newcomers? He 
loves to stick with the guys who won the last game. Okay. So uh, to be honest, and as I was saying earlier, he's not going to put somebody in just to give them minutes. He's going to put somebody in because he thinks that they're the better choice to win that game at that moment. So if the left wing guy is having a bad day, Hey, he's going in, right? If he's, if they're uh, getting shots and they're, even if you're down one, nothing and they're getting shots and, you know, creating good chances, he may not change that front three. In fact, he doesn't a lot until like the last five or 10 minutes, which is one of the criticisms a lot of fans do have of it. Uh, But he, when he gives a guy a chance, it's because he believes that he's ready to play at that spot. So when you see him go in, expect him to play well. So who do you think recommended Johnny's, to Kansas City. How, That's how a good they... question. That's a very good question because I'm, I, I'm, I don't have a clue what's going on here. That is a. Uh, actually, I asked him about that in a press conference a few days ago. How he identified Johnny's and also the guy from Israel a year and a half ago, and they have been building because of the because of the money growing in MLS and the the need to go outside of America to find players more and more as more teams spread across America, both in MLS and USL championship, it, it, that competition for player in the United States for American players is, is huge. So you got to find these guys elsewhere. And he, they built, uh, they call it a, ta- a talent identification department. Not, they don't call them scouts, talent identification department. And I know one of them is a former player here who has a lot of the uh, South American side of it, but I've met a couple of the ones who have, uh, are in Europe. I, I can't say their names right now because I don't remember them. But they don't actually put all the names out there everywhere for them to be seen sometimes. But it's they have. He has a lot of roots over there because he was. Uh, he's got Hungarian roots. Uh, one of his coaches has other roots from. Uh, Trying to remember the right country. I don't want to say it wrong. So, other European roots, and. So they have a lot of connections over there and they're always looking around there, but they have that, they have those talented talent identification department that is definitely scouting every league out there right now. So maybe he got the attention when they were playing in Europe. I don't know. Long winded answer. Sorry. No, no, no. It was, uh, it's good to, to know because it's, it's, it's really weird. I mean, Obviously, Europe is is in our neighborhood, so you know it would make a lot more sense if a European team signed him. But you know, a team. I, I thought that maybe it had to do a little bit with the 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 owner of Omonia, uh, who is a Cypriot who works in in uh, New York in in the states, and I thought that maybe he had something to do with it as well obviously he didn't work as an agent too but you know yeah. maybe he spoke to a few people and uh, uh that too so the, the thing is there, there was an article i read yeah. sorry right i read i read an article that there was a serbian agent involved in the deal i forget the guy's name though could be i don't know no um because I, I i questioned that too because i went to uh like on a transfer market, they list agents and I went to look at their agents and like the other players that were represented. But uh, even like with uh, the second team last year, they had 
they tend to sign guys from like regions. So I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there's another guy from that, from Cyprus or a country very close to Cyprus that shows up or another, because uh, uh, Johnny speaks English, but he also speaks Greek, right? I imagine. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if another Greek player shows up, whether it's with the first team or the second team. I don't know that. Just would not be surprised. What, what do you know about the financial agreement between uh, Kansas City, Omonia, and, and Jonis? So what, what do you know how much did Kansas City pay if there's like clause for a 10 or 15% if there's a resale, if, you know, do you know any of the terms of the, the agreements? Actually, what I've, most of what I've heard is I've read from articles over there, okay. uh, but I've gotten the impression from people that it is reasonably accurate. So one and a half to two mil range for um, the transfer fee. Uh, I forget the, the fee for Johnny's actual salary, but uh, one interesting thing about MLS is partway through the year, the Major League Soccer Player Association will publish all salaries. So you'll actually be able to see what his salary is like probably about halfway through the season. Okay. Still, have we got any more questions or do you think we... No, does Fad have any questions to ask us about Johnny's? Yeah, (laughs) no, we we keep hearing about him as a left wing, right? And that's that's where he's going to probably compete a lot at. But um, he's right footed, and I know Vermees likes wingers who are able to cut into the middle off that, you know, to their primary foot. So I'm assuming that's a a strength of his. But I've also heard uh, Vermees said he could play either wing or either of the two attacking spots, which with the way sporting plays is I call them eight slash tens. Cause neither yeah. one is really a true 10. Yeah. How does he That's, fit into those roles? The, the right wing or that eight 10 role you think? Uh, when, when he started playing, he, he was more uh, as a, like you said, an eight or 10 role. It was only under Henningberg that he started playing on the wing because Henningberg likes to play players on the wing with the opposite foot. So on, on the right-hand side, we have a left uh, footer who's Loizos, and on the right is Jonis who plays... Uh, sorry, the other way around. Uh, Loizos plays on the right with his left foot and uh, Jonis plays on the left with his right foot. So he, he, I'm not going to say he has uh, split his career playing in these two positions. Obviously, the, the last couple of seasons or mostly I'd say last season and a bit, a bit of this season, he played mostly on the left. But he can, he can play. He's got the ability, he's got the skill to, to offer in, in that part of, uh, of, of the, in, in the midfield. And uh, I personally uh, expected him to play there this season as well because we had a lot of injuries or people on national duty. Uh, but Henningberg seems to, you know, prefer to, him to play on the, on the left-hand side. But I'm pretty sure when he goes to the States and, you know, he trains with the team and uh, if the manager asks him to play some elsewhere... I, I don't think that, you know, he has so many years behind him. He's still learning. So the yeah. fact that he's played in more than one position 
is going to help him grow even more because sometimes you make a move to another team or you, a different manager sees something different on you. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to 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 offer wherever uh, it's asked of him. That's uh, uh, one of the things that Vermees loves to do is uh, the, at, somewhere, at some point in the game, the left wing and the right wing flip. And now you're, you know, a different defender is having to figure out how to defend you, right? So they'll they'll flip for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and naturally, as he expects that um, pretty much, you know, you, you know, you're coming off of a set piece. Everybody just has to fill a role, right? So everybody fills whatever spot they need to fill until you can reset throughout the gameplay. So he, he will get opportunity to play in all those different spots at some point anyway. I think the thing, the thing about John is what impresses me the most is aside from the work ethic, apart from the pace, apart from the positional awareness, I think once once he identifies and recognises his particular role in the team, what he needs to be doing, he'll be one of those players where you'll say as a, as a supporter, he always seems to be at the right place at the right time. Okay. There, there, there were moments last season where... Okay, where well he scored important goals, but it was his running off the ball. It was getting into the right area, being at the right place at the right time. As I said, for, uh, Roy, the goal against Buffer, where the sh- uh, the first goal, where the goalkeeper saved it and it's come out to, was it Ernest, I think, and he squared it and Johnny's was there. The goal against Ayala this season was pulled across the face of the goal. Johnny's was there. The diagonal run against Ayak, where Foddy laid it off and he just took one touch and smashed it in the top corner right place at the right time. The goal against Ayak in the last minute, uh, Ayal, sorry, in the last minute, where we, it's one apiece, 89th minute, he latches onto a, a, a through ball. And again, the, the running uh, in between the centre-back and the full-back was brilliant. They couldn't catch him. The finish was superb. And I think that's what you're going to get from him. The, the one concern that I have is I'm just a little bit worried that it might take him a bit more time than I'd like for him to get settled but it goes again with adapting to the surroundings the culture yeah. everything like that sporting has traditionally done pretty well most of the time with players coming in from other places uh, like I said a lot of times you will find that they will sign a couple players from a similar region just to have they have some companionship there the language or whatever but they also have a, a dedicated person um and I mean, as a department, I guess, but one person I know specifically who will make sure that will do their best to help them integrate into the community. You know, if it's like finding restaurants or finding a, uh, um, a store that sells food, that, you know, that they would be used to or getting them into a, a church community or whatever it is. Right. Um, they will do their best. So I don't know how big of a, a, a Cypriot community we have here. I, I know we have a Greek community. I just don't know about the Cypriot. Uh, it, and again, I, I apologize for not knowing. No, how, no, no. If, if, how, if it's if pretty it's a, tied, if, right? If it's a Greek community, then it's fine. He'll be all right. Okay. He'll be fine. Uh, He'll be fine. <laughs> you know, it's, you know. I, I've traveled a lot around the world, but I don't know everywhere. Um, no, no, no. So, it's fine, mate. It's fine. <laughs> and uh, which actually, that was one of the things I was going to tell you is always try like try to refer to it as Kansas City, not Kansas. Kansas yeah. Um, because it is a it's two states one big city and these going back many many years to the american civil war the two states were on opposite sides 
So there was like lots of hatred. So like when you refer to one without it being the city, it, sometimes people get weird right. about it. Right. Um, so so the team that won NFL a couple years ago. Yeah. Where are they from? They're on the Missouri side of Kansas City. So they're the ones that you don't like. Well, no, I I, I live on the Missouri you, side. Okay. Okay. But it's it, it just becomes like weirdness when like people, hey, that's not how we're called, you know, because they don't represent a state, they represent a city. Right. So and, if, and so, the city is called Kansas City, even though uh there's a Kansas City, Missouri, there's a Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. I, yeah, it, it's weird. Right. So SKC are come from which part? Well, <laughs> for most of their life, they played on the Missouri side and practiced right. on the Missouri side. Now they play on the Kansas side and practice on the Kansas side, but their two team and their academy practices on the Missouri side at their old spot. <laughs> See, that, that initial reaction when you were about to explain... Is the same reaction I give when people ask me, why do you call yourself Cypriot, not Greek? Yeah. I, <laughs> which is why I was trying to be cautious of how he said stuff, man. I, See, there are so many parallels. That. So many parallels between SKC and Omonia. It's unbelievable. You it, know, so many parallels. <laughs> amazing. When I first moved to Kansas City um, back in 91, man, I'm really freaking old. Uh, but when I first moved here, somebody came up to me and said, hey, what team do you root for? I'm like, you know, what sport, right? You know, we have too many. And they said, uh, you know, college. And I said, I picked I picked a college halfway between where I grew up and where I was at, right? And they're fa- fans of the college of Kansas, KU, would just cuss me out because I chose Missouri. Fans of other colleges, like, ah, okay, you know, it was like a friendly rivalry kind of thing, right? But the fans of KU would like, cuss me out, man. Uh, you know, if I had a a Mizzou sticker on a car and cause I, I'm a photographer. So I go to the town where the Kansas is at. Yeah. Right. I, I go there, I'd walk out and there'd be spit all over the car at the sticker. So I like my car now has no stickers, right? No, nothing. So you don't Just because I, I don't want to be in the spot <laughs> where I'm like, you know, I don't want to drive a sporting Kansas city car to a Chicago game. That, that would be, potentially bad there but you know i don't want to have a, a mizzou sticker on when i go to lawrence kansas or a ku sticker if i go to columbia missouri right i just it, i keep it very plain label at this point but so sporting kansas city for everyone and myself yeah. obviously skc man call them casey skc fantastic and, and you're good <laughs> call them kansas and people start to go hey yeah be careful <laughs> uh, Thad, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you for rearranging everything for us. And um, before I let you go, would you like to promote anything? Would you like to remind our listeners your uh, your website, your podcast, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, just uh, Instagram. Come on. Yeah. Uh, www.thebluetestament.com is the website, uh, uh, SB Nation website, covers soccer in Kansas City. Uh, my Instagram is Thad underscore photo. Uh, my Twitter is, I think, the back post. <laughs> I, right. I don't tweet it's myself, man. I'll put it in the, in the, what's it called? The synopsis section or whatever you want to call it. There you go. There yeah. you go. I, I, I started I started a blog a long time ago called backpost.net because I wanted to cover soccer and hockey. And it was like a perfect thing to cover both. So, Brilliant. Well, th- thanks again for your time, mate. Roy? 
He's had his he's had his go on bira. He's happy. He's happy like a pig in pig in shit, you know. But... <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm just drink, I'm just drinking tea, man. So yeah, I'm having my beer, man. Uh, but no, yeah, no, no, thanks you. a lot, Thad. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. It helped us have a bit better understanding about um, you know where Johnny's the environment where Johnny's is going to play because we we are you know we're going to be following him. And uh, maybe we're going to chat again sometime soon. And hopefully it's going to be for for good news, you know, yeah. for, for Johnny's. And um, it, was a, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I hope you enjoyed it as well. I did, man. I, I love talking to sport to no matter who, man. So I enjoy well, it. And maybe you can, you can uh, promote the pod to people there in the States uh, if they find it interesting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're, yeah. not wanna, they're not going to listen to us. Who wants to listen to us? No one wants to listen to not, us. Not us. We're talking about Johnny's. He's not right, Johnny's. Johnny's. Look at your yeah. face, man. Yeah. See my face. Actually, I have, I have one favor to ask, I guess. Uh, sure. You said everybody in Cyprus knows everybody is related to everybody at some point, and I, I, I get that. That's I, I grew up in Missouri that's the same way. But find somebody with the embassy. Make sure that they get his visa approved as fast as possible so we can get him over here. We'll do our level best, mate. I think best. That's gonna, our biggest issue right now, getting players I over. think he's going to be there around the, the 10th of February. This is what I heard. I hope so. That should yeah, be more uh, knows a lot of people. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they should be. They're in preseason right now, and I mean, I know he's in game shape because he's been playing, but it's yeah. still good to get him intermixed. And then uh, also, I would not be surprised if he makes a couple appearances with the two team just to also make sure he's game Swo- fit and get a Swo- little. Park, yeah. yeah, yeah. Formerly Swo Park Rangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They it, 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 a little story. They played in Swo Park which is a park here. So uh, fans had called the old reserve team, the Swope Park Rangers as a joke or, you know, just a fan thing. So they adopted that name when they started oh. the two team, but they found that uh, players didn't want to sign for Swope Park Rangers. Cause they didn't, you know, didn't More connect. Well, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't connect that it was a two team for the, the MLS team, right. you know, even though they were told that it just, they wanted that more perfect, that? like everybody having the same crest Jersey. And all yeah. that stuff. So, Excellent. Brilliant. Roy, wrap it up. Oh, before you do that, OLB24.com T-shirts. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, let's go. There you go. Roy, go on. Finish it off. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. All right.